Hey folks, this is Maxi, and I just wanted to take a second to let you know this is actually going to be the last episode of Gabe Newell's Rosie Rupee Land for a while at least. It's not something I'm happy about putting this on hiatus, but I think it's necessary just because I'm juggling some other projects right now, and I think just for the sake of my own mental health and my ability to prioritize those projects, this is going to need to go on the back burner for a bit. If you're currently subscribed to the Patreon, I have frozen the monthly pledge thing, so you won't be getting charged. No need to worry about that. Uh, and I do hope to return to this at some point in the future. I'll make sure that the old episodes are still hosted on SoundCloud. Uh, and as always, stay frosty. And welcome to Gabe Newell's Rosie Rupee Land. I'm your host, Maxi Satan, and joining me is, uh, I actually don't know if there's anything you go by besides Mike Dawson. I also go by Dan Silva. Dan Silva, aka Mike Dawson. You can also call me, uh, I don't know what I was going to say, some joke. Just don't call- It was going to be a joke. Just don't call you late for dinner, am I right? Yeah. Ugh. So, it is officially the most wonderful time of the year, which is the lead-up to National Clean Your Digital Desktop Day. That's a thing? It is. I believe it's October 17th. I, I want to take a brief detour to look at the other October 17th days of interest. Well, I did just look up October 17th days of interest instead of October days of interest. Uh, apparently, this is when Jewish autonomy in uh, the Levant... Levant, I never know how to pronounce it, was ended by the Romans, so that's cool. Oh. Hmm. That's something alright. Let's look at historical birthdays. Uh, don't, okay. Don't know this guy, 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 this guy. Uh, there's a lot of people born around this time. Turns out, uh, there's John Wilkes, not John Wilkes Booth, so that's worth noting. Uh, I don't know who he is, though. Apparently a radical journalist. Don't know this guy, this guy, this guy. The inventor of the curveball, apparently? Huh. No, 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 no. Uh... <laughs> I think we can give this up now and bring up the other stuff. Oh, oh, no, I found a good one. Jerry Siegel, one of oh. the co-creators of Superman. We did it. Oh, that's good. That's good. We fucking did it. Got it in 20. <laughs> so, this is a podcast where we talk about cheap and free games. We got a suite of about four of them to fill up that newly cleaned desktop of yours. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to start off with a game called Neon Tracer. It's on Itch. It's available for $4. Not crazy about it. Yeah, it's just sort of like, it's got this nice, like, neon aesthetic, but not much else to go on. It feels sort of like an Atari game or like some brain exercise I would try to come up if I were really bored in class. 
the music's nice and that's that's really about it you just like you run around on like a grid and you've got to like fill in all the lines so that you make perfect squares and there's like enemies that'll try to follow you later on certain obstacles that's really about it. it there's a lot of it there's like i don't know 50 levels or something yeah, it, it definitely feels like style over substance and not a huge amount of style. I actually wasn't a fan of the soundtrack just because it felt very repetitive. Hmm, fair enough. A lot of reliance on pretty short loops. And I think the real problem with the game mechanics at the core of it is it is a perfect grid. Everything is squares. Yeah. And I was thinking about that. I was contrasting that with, say, Pac-Man. The whole thing about Pac-Man is that you got long straightaways. Mm-hmm. So, when you come to an intersection, one, it's a decision, and two, there are points where you can just glide, and it feels a lot better than having to constantly like, double back and trace every line. Yeah, that did get really annoying as it went on. Uh, really, this whole thing just feels more like someone just trying to like test out their programming skills than trying to make like a product. Yeah, for sure. I do think another problem with it is Enemy behavior isn't really predictable, which isn't always a bad thing, but I think in something arcadey like this, it's very, okay, I guess I better just hope they don't turn towards me. That's pretty much it, yeah. I wish I had anything positive to say about this. I just think it looks nice. Yeah, it does look pretty decent. I feel like even that could still be polished a bit, but that's like, you know, that's something. Yeah. It's definitely not a $4 game. It's not really worth it, no. I'm going to have to give this a 1 out of 5. You know what I'm going to have to say? I think uh, it was going for some nostalgia. You know, nostalgia value, the 80s throwback. I think it's going to have to be nostalgic mediocre for me. Hmm. That's a joke that maybe two people will get, but they will love it. Well, talking about throwbacks, how about we go on to Hindere Beat? Uh, yeah, sure. So this one, I feel definitely it hits the retro throwback thing a bit more uh, on point. It goes for one of those old, like, PC-98 kind of or early DOS looks. It goes with, the, you know, the cyan magenta dominant palette. Uh, I can't remember that it had dithering as such, but, you know, it's very early PC game. And I feel like it hits it a lot better. Yeah, I I found, like, the aesthetic really nice and, like, well, basically it's, like, this parkour game that has, like, stealth elements to it. Like, you run around and, like, sometimes there's enemies you have to dodge or, or hit at the right time. It's got, like, this sort of weird anime story that I don't really get. I, I think it's about, like, some weird virus and, like, there's a corporation or something and... The three main characters, uh, Ruriko, Ayumi, and uh, Miyabi, you play as Ruriko, they just seem to be, like, really smug, bored teenagers. Like, it, there's, like, this sort of, like, misanthropy vibe from it. I think I would have really liked it when I was, like, in middle school or, hell, even when I was 19. But I think by this point it just feels really tiring. I hear that. I think what interests me about it is... The plot feels very dreamlike to me, and not not in like a, oh, it's a bunch of weird shit way. Not in like the Silent Hill way of like, oh, there's so much layers of meaning here, and what's really going on? A bunch of stuff happens, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. 
Yeah, but at the same time, it's, it still feels like it flows from one thing to yeah. the other, if that makes sense. It's like a free association kind of plot, and that does interest me a bit. I do agree. I'm, I'm not crazy about the dialogue and whatnot. Um, it's written in a way that feels weirdly stilted at times, and I wasn't sure whether it was deliberately trying to evoke one of those like overly literal anime dubs, or whether it just ended up like that. Yeah, it sort of reminds me of Toho dialogue, but less good. Also reminds me of how when I was a kid I would just try to stuff big words into everything to make myself sound smarter. I definitely hear that. Uh, One thing I really like about the look of this game is in the shorter gameplay segments, it often frames the action in, like, panels. So you'll go into an elevator, and then you'll be in a small box on a black screen. You press the button to go down or up, and then you see yourself in a box elsewhere on the screen accordingly yeah that was really neat as far as like the parkour gameplay goes like i really enjoyed it but it took me a long time to like figure out how to actually do the wall run thing the wall run can be a bit like sticky i feel yeah sometimes it feels inconsistent but i think the way it works is like you're supposed to like get a running start and then like before you can like complete the arc of your jump you have to hit the wall I will say, when you get into a good flow with the platforming, it feels really nice. Yeah, it does feel great. I I like that part. Honestly, I think this game was pretty alright. Yeah, I feel like I enjoyed this game, but there were parts that didn't gel with me. Yeah. But it's possible that I disliked this game, but there were parts that gelled with me a lot. Hmm. Yeah, I I get how that feels. Also, that's... What I just said there is, like, half the protagonist's internal monologue. Yeah, that's pretty much it, but with a lot more words and a very heavy usage of a thesaurus. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's Hennedary Beat. It is on Itch for $2. I would say it might be worth a shot if it sounds like what you're looking for. If you're up for kind of an odd... and Like, pretentious isn't really the word, it's just... It's hard for me to get a handle on. Yeah. It describes itself as cynical. I guess that's one way of putting it. It does feel like something I would think of as a depressed teen. Yeah, I definitely see that. Let's see, what else we got to talk about? I mean, we are fucking breezing through this. We're not even 20 minutes in. Oh my god, you're right. Shit. Uh, I, I think normally I spend more time just talking about bullshit on the intro, but I didn't have that much bullshit to talk about. Uh, hang on. Sw- sweary minute, sweary minute. The missing is the missing is coming out. The yes! Mixed up files of J.J. Abrams. <laughs> or whatever it was. Uh, Let me just boot up Twitter so I can look at Sweary's account. Let's see. Missing is on October 11th, 2018. As of the time of this recording, it will be this week. Yeah, so this will almost certainly be out by the time this episode goes up. Yeah. It says... Let's see, yeah, there's like some articles about it. Oh, there's a tweet here that says, Feeling America, I don't know why. Anyway, good night. And it's got an Instagram. Oh, it's just this nice little, like, fall mood. It's a really good shot, like, half the trees on one side are all browning and the leaves have fallen off, and the other side of the trees are still, like, fresh and, and green. This is our audio photography podcast, Rule of Words. <laughs> God. Anyway, th- the missing looks interesting to me. It is apparently yeah. sort of a puzzle platformer involving deliberately, like, dying and getting 
fucked up real bad so that you can solve certain puzzles because you're immortal. Yeah, that's 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 actually pretty neat. I like that idea. It reminds me of kind of a darker Wario land. You know how in some of the Wario lands you can't actually get hurt? I'm aware of them, but I've never played the later ones. I played a bit of the first one, but I know about them, so yeah, I get it. So yeah, that's sweary for you. Uh, God, I... I should try to pick this up when I get the chance. Oh, I'm definitely going to. I'm really looking forward to it. This is Future Maxi. I picked up the game. It's good. It's a lot more than $10, but it's good, so I figured I'd mention it. So, Achromatic is a puzzle game on Steam. $5. This was, like, a really interesting game. I... I eventually got, like, too frustrated to continue, but it was, like, really neat. Like, you get, like, a sort of grid with circles and sometimes squares in them, and you have to, like, get it so that they're all a single color. And, like, there's, like, some really, like, out-of-the-box thinking as, like, more variations on the things you have to do come up. There are some puzzles I was, like, really stuck on. Like, here are some basic ideas. Like, you've got the regular circles. You can just connect them, but only in a straight line. There's the squares, which you can, like, make a single turn with. There's, let's see, later on I got to a point where there were, like, weird shooter things where, like, if you got that one color, it would shoot a thing and everything in the directions it pointed would turn a color. It was really neat. I I liked it. See, I don't think it really gelled with me. And I liked the central mechanics in theory. Like, they weren't bad, but for whatever reason it didn't feel like super satisfying to me when I sussed it out. Like nothing about the game felt particularly poorly executed. The difficulty curve I think is fantastic, which is often a problem you see in puzzle games, but nothing really grabbed me and there wasn't a framing device or a particular thing about the looker gameplay that kept me moving forward. And honestly, I'm wondering if I'm just getting a little bit jaded by doing this podcast because I've played a lot of like simple two to five dollar puzzle games now yeah i think i'd get tired of it eventually yeah also i will say this it is compared to earlier this is definitely much better than neon tracer that's true one thing i do feel like it needed was like some way of giving a hint or like even a skip level button just something that made it a little easier to get through i'm definitely a big advocate of like hints or you know getting three levels at a time instead of one so that you can skip a couple as necessary one thing i noticed about it it doesn't have any words in it it's all symbols and imagery that's kind of neat about it yeah it reminds me of the witness and that it's very good at teaching you just through visual language and letting you experiment actually that reminds me have you ever seen that clip from indie game the movie of like John Blow and he's crying because Soldier Boy didn't get what the game was about. I've heard about that, but I've never seen it. I've seen it. It's great. Uh, I'll link it to you later. It, it's a part in the thing where it's like talking about Braid's reception and like people initially just didn't really get like there's some actual meaning behind the game and like it's interspersing it with like Soldier Boy back going, in time. Oh! <laughs> there's no point to the game, man. It's Mario in a suit. <laughs> Listen, if if I heard somebody talk, like, ramble about my work involving go-back-in-time potions, I would feel... <laughs> I would feel completely at peace. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, there is one thing that I think is kind of valid about how he feels about it, which is, like, I replayed Braid, like, during, like, that spring cleaning sa sale or whatever, or it was something a couple months back where they were, like, Steam wanted you to do more backlog stuff, and, like, replaying it, it really is obvious how it's supposed to be, like, a narrative about, like, the protagonist is supposed to be, like, some abusive ex, but, like, I don't remember anyone actually noticing that back in 2008 or whatever. I feel like it's also fairly easy to look back on Braid and go, fucking whatever, because after Braid came out, I feel like there were a lot of Flash games and whatnot that did similar, not especially deep, but, like, takes on that concept, if that makes sense. Like, oh, you, you, this casual gameplay action is actually some character flaw. Yeah, that's... That that was our review of Braid. Yeah, uh, give me one second. Braid <laughs> is $15 on Steam. Still? Shit, I thought it went down since then. Yeah, still. Which, again, it's... When it came out, yeah, that's fair. And I'm sure it's still a fine game, but it came out ten years ago. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but... Anyways, like, to get to the point, Achromatic is $5 on Steam. Uh, get it if you like, like, a puzzle game or whatever. It's it's a nice little game. I think it was actually on sale when, this, when we were looking at it at first. Yeah, I got, like, 50 cents off. Nice. That's 50 cents you could spend on... Trading cards? <laughs> Trading oh. cards to up my Steam level? Because Steam's social media platform is just on the up and up. I like Steam cards, you know? I liked Steam cards back when I, like, cared about Steam and Discord was not out and I was not getting increasingly angry at Valve's business practices. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. One thing I did find out is that there is, like, now a voice chat for Steam. And, like, I mean, the quality's pretty good, so... Like, if you just, like, wanted to talk to someone and for whatever reason didn't want to use Discord or whatever, you got Steam, I guess. So, last thing on the docket today is the tragic Wait. tale of... Hmm? Wait, did we even do the break? No, we're, we're fucking zooming through it. No break. Shit. All no right, rules then. just right. We're just going to have the ending uh, Q&A and closeouts. Forget it. Yeah. All right. So, last game on the docket. The Tragic Tale of Bark Scruffalo, which is on Itch. It is available for free. It's a fairly small and simple project it looks like it was the person who made its first game which frankly for a first game this is fantastic this is really nice for a first game it's like a little tower defense thing you you're some dude with glasses and i think maybe a hat i can't tell i'm pretty sure that's a hat yeah and you've got to protect your dog bark scrufflo good dog name by the way it is a good dog name i feel like more dog names can be puns I feel like some people would be like, ah, your, your dog is named fucking, oh man, I'm completely floundering here. I can't think of a single pun name for a dog. Uh, Carl Barks? Yes! So good. I feel like some people would get tired of that, but I'm, I'm still into it. Yeah. Personally, I think the two ideal dog names are Spaghetti and Juice Man. Why Juice Man? Uh, did you ever, like, watch, like, those old Tooping 40s videos? When they were, like, playing through Fallout New Vegas while drunk, they decided to start calling Rex Juice Man because it's a good dog name. Hmm. 
Also, they... It turns out, like, when you have Rex as a follower, he just, like... You can always hear him walking, and it sounds like someone stepping on bags of Doritos. Uh, anyways, tragic tale of Bark Scruffalo. You've got, like, a tower defense. You've got to, like, go around and, like, hit, like, these weird shadow enemies, and you have to, like, destroy their pillars, and you can, like, lay down some mines and, like, head to another pillar and take care of that while the other guys get blown up by mines. Uh, it's really nice. I would highly, highly recommend using, like, an X-Bone controller, because, like, I have a PS4 controller. Doesn't work with that. And keyboard controls, it's WAST and JKL. That's weird and feels bad to me. I, th- I could have sworn I was using... No, I guess I was using WAST. Something that jumped out to me about this is it goes for a Game Boy aesthetic with the, you know, all green and grays and blacks palettes, but it avoids a major mistake that I've seen with a couple of games that do that, which is... It's very easy to make the bright greens eye-searing. Yeah. And this one did not do that. It goes for a muted color palette. It does a very good job of evoking those games and looking good doing it. Yeah. The art in general in this game is really good. It's incredible. Uh, The animation looks nice, and the pixel art looks nice. It's a fucking nice-looking game. Yeah. If there was any other complaint I would say about it, it's that... I feel like the sword hurt box versus the enemy hurt box is kind of bullshit. Like, it's way easier for an enemy to hit you than for you to hit an enemy. Yeah, I definitely see that. I I also feel like... So, the enemies spawn from monoliths that pop out of the ground. And I feel like that aspect is an unnecessary step, especially because the monoliths take several hits to get smashed. Yeah. I feel like it would work best if they just sort of kept spawning, kept coming, and... uh, keep doing it until you're overwhelmed if that makes sense yeah yeah way when i played it a couple times it way more often i just ran out of hp before i got legitimately overwhelmed which would have been i don't know i think that would have been more interesting uh i could say something about a dog meme all right yeah take me out on that dog meme all right uh dog memes look at that dog look at it that dog look at it Woo, woo. That's it's good. I, I, well, I'm not seeing the dog, so I'm assuming that's good, but... <laughs> there is one thing I wanted to talk about. I brought it up. Uh, I wanted to discuss an upcoming game. There's no set price for it. Hypnospace Outlaw. It's, it's by Jay Solon, creator of Dropsy. That game was like this sort of LucasArts-esque adventure game where you're like, a scary clown that's trying to be a nice clown and you, like, hug people and make them happy. It was it was a neat little game. Hypnospace Outlaw, meanwhile, is, like, this game that takes place in, like, this sort of alternate timeline 1999. And, like, you're an internet moderator. And the point of the game is, like, it's a sort of low-stakes papers, please. Like, you gotta, like, go around the level and, like, find, like, things to, to select. Like, you've got, like, four categories, like... It, Copyright infringement, harassment, malware, and illegal activity. Mm -hmm. Or something like that. And you have to max out every one. (laughs) Oh my god, no. (laughs) But anyways, like, a thing about it is, like, as you go through it, there's, like, this vague sort of moral choicey thing where, like, you can give people, like, a couple infractions or you could, like, go all the way and just ban them. And you get, like, more hypno coins for it. That's, like, your currency in the game. 
the things you can buy with Hypno Coins. Well, I played like the beta. That's not available right now, but like it's it's supposed to be going up again at a later point as the game develops more. Things you could get with Hypno Coins are like Oh shit, I didn't explain how you actually play it. Like it's in this sort of like mock up of a nineties browser and it looks really great. There's like a lot of fucking around in it. Like you can set screensavers, you customize the theme to make it there's like this scene you can unlock that's supposed to be themed around like the Pokemon of this universe, Squishers, and it's garish as hell and it's incredible. There's like little songs and ditties, there's you can like customize it in all sorts of ways. It's actually quite a really nice sim simulacula- simulacrum. Yeah, simulacrum of a desktop and like also like the overarching theme of the game is like people on the internet can be weird, but that weirdness isn't always harmful. They could just be nice people, if even if they're weird. Like, you go to, like, one of the first places you go to is, like, I can't remember what it's called, but it's, like, this forum for old people, and it's, like, a sort of parody of old person Facebook. A lot of the people there barely know how to use it, and, like, the one moderator there hasn't touched it in months. There's also, like, this plot, like, like, these people seem ridiculous, but also, like, one of them has, like, this morning thing set up for, like, people who have passed on, and it's actually kind of sad. Another site you visit is, like, this teen zone, and, like, at the start, it's like, are you 13 or older? But then when you actually go into the site, like, a third of them are, like, eight-year-olds or whatever, and they say, please don't ban me, I'm only eight, or something like that. Oh, that's, um, that's, that's reminded me of my misspent youth. That rings true. yeah. Yeah, oof. There's also, like, this sort of weird conspiracy New Age forum you get to visit, which is, like, it is, like, mostly people trying to scam you, but also there's, like, this one guy who's just got a little relaxation tour, and it's just, like, some serene imagery and calming music, and it's really pleasant. It's just, like, sort of meant to, like, explore, like, there's more to weird people than just what you hear. It's a really nice game, and I'm looking forward to its release. I guess that's everything I can talk about besides plugs and Q&A. Yeah, let's hit the questions and then hit the shoutouts and plugs. Give me one moment. All right, here's one right off the bat. Flower Cuco on Tumblr. What two pets could fuse into the strongest pet? Hmm. I gotta say, you gotta have at least one lizard in there, maybe a turtle. Turtle ups your death, ups your resilience. Yeah. Yeah, turtle, and what is the most ferocious one? I'm going to say... Hmm, a very large puppy, maybe? Mm-hmm. Or possibly a very old and angry cat. <laughs> For me, I think it would have to be a snake, a constrictor or python of some kind, and, like, a German shepherd. Oof. Hmm. Let's see. What else could you, like, fuse... Personally, if I could fuse any two, it would probably be a cat and a snake. That's just the platonic ideal. Let me run this one by you. Tarantula plus parrot. Plus parrot. That's kind of upsetting. Uh, Can it fly and or talk? It can definitely fly. I'm not sure if it can talk. I'm not sure if I want it to be able to talk. I think that might be a sin against God. Does it have eight wings? I was figuring it had two to four wings, and then 
four to six sets of talons. Oh my god! That would that would be incredibly dangerous, and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's really good. Hmm. Let's see, why don't we move on to the next question on Twitter? Sounds good. Jasmine Marsh at Pidman had a few. The first one I want to talk about is, how did Shadow, as in the Hedgehog, get that gun anyway? And I feel like he was just going to like the pawn shop. And he was like, hey, I got all these rings. Can I trade in for that Glock? And the guy was, sir, can I see an ID? He is 50 years old. Yeah, that's old enough to have a gun. Who's going to stop him? To refer to me when it comes to Sonic, you can just refer to that picture from Sonic Unleashed that says, I am well acquainted with the lore of Sonic the Hedgehog. <sighs> hmm, I think Shadow's gun. Hmm. He's definitely gotten some by beating up a guy and then taking his gun. He's probably... I think if Shadow would try to like buy a gun through extra legal means, it would be like that giant bomb segment with the illegal drugs. Hi. I'm here to buy a gun. I am not a cop. Uh, I don't know. Have we considered that Rouge gave him the gun because she thought it would be funny? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, she is like, a, she does like do government agent stuff. She probably has a gun too. Definitely gave him a gun. I gotta see this 50-year-old teen point a gun at people. Do you think Shadow, like, what is Shadow's favorite gun? Just, like, out of types. Ooh, well, Shadow's a fucking dweeb, so it's probably, it's probably, like, a Desert Eagle. Hmm, yeah. Or a Luger a... or something. You know, one of the, one of those classic guns, like, oh, this one. I, I'm doing my snake voice. This is what Shadow the Hedgehog sounds like. I think Shadow probably has, like, that big-ass pistol. I can't remember what it's called. But, like, you get it in Killing Floor. It's that big-ass pistol that's just like meant for you can just basically shoot it and like a thing will explode i can't remember what it's called but there was like a bit from it from this old movie that h-bomb talked about in one of his videos uh let me look up killing floor guns weapons killing floor um uh, shit i can't find it actually also i think shadow would definitely have like Definitely several replicas of guns he found in movies. He definitely has a replica of the Robocop gun. Dirty Harry gun, too. Yeah. Yes. Anyways, let's see. The other parts of this. Let's see. Uh, what would you put in a 90s punk setting? And I actually thought about this one before. I think if I had, like, a 90s punk setting, there would be, like, different factions based around, like, different styles and aesthetics throughout the 90s. Because there's, like... You got your grunge, you got, like, ska, you got the, like, Matrix black trench coats and sunglasses, guys. You got the early 90s, like, pastels and neon. You've definitely got some old-school hip-hop people. There's absolutely gonna be a hacker faction. Oh, there has to be. You know what I'm really into and something I'd like to see explored more in speculative fiction and shit? Yeah. I want to see more like, real throwback hackers, like the ones who hacked into phone lines with Captain Crunch whistles. Oh my god, that would be good. Yeah, I could definitely do do with that. Also, there would definitely be some who were just like Bart. Like Bart Simpson. Hmm, just like Bart. There's definitely going to be a, a team of rude teens with Tude, 
And the thing about them is they're rude. Rude. That's the joke about them. Rude. Are they rude but cool? Yes, and they're also party dudes. That's an 80s thing, but <laughs> anyways. Listen, uh, it's all fucking blurred to my 95 ass. I'm 94. I barely... Like, I can kind of remember seeing Mulan on VHS. The first movie I remember seeing was fucking... What's that Camelot one called? Like, The Road to Camelot? Quest for Camelot? Uh, I think it's called The Quest for Camelot or Road to Camelot. I've definitely seen it before, just not as a, as a nostalgia thing. It was part of a stream. Uh, shit. Let me look this up. I think it was a Don Bluth film. Don Bluth Camelot. Quest for Camelot, 1998. You know what came out in the 90s? Super Mario Brothers the Movie came out May 28th, 1993. Oh. Nice. That's a good fucking movie. It is. I don't know if I would call it good as such. That movie is underrated and it's fun as fuck. It is incredible. God. Have you ever thought about how Mojo Nixon got himbofied? Well, folks, that's going to be the end of this episode. (laughs) Uh, Sorry. let's Let's just leave it on that high note. Let's just move on uh let's see next thing uh, uh, no no i i don't think we can go up from there i want to get moving okay i want to give a i want to give a thank you to our ten dollar a month subscribers on patreon Evan, that is at heavenly evan no vowels in heavenly on twitter and Vale, I do not know your social media contact off the top of my head, so thanks, Vale, and thank you, Evan, for your lovely pledges. I'm a musician. I put my work up at maxisatanofficial.tumblr.com and at pastelhandgrenade.bandcamp.com. I'm currently working on my next album, Gigantic Robot Girlfriend, hoping to have that ready for a late November, early December release, but we'll see how that goes. And I'm really looking forward to putting it out. I also do commission work. If you want to contact me either at that Tumblr or on Twitter at MaxiSatan, that would be great. My friend and roommate Zach does music as well. You can find their stuff at nltm.bandcamp.com and you can reach out to them at nltm underscore on Twitter. Mike, do you have any shout outs, any social in- media information? You can find me at two places. You can find me on Twitter at, at Mike underscore Dawson with a zero. You can find me on Tumblr at MikeDawson.tumblr.com with a zero again. No underscore, though. You can find my comedy blog at Xbox underscore holiday, where Usher celebrates holidays with Xbox. Let me look up the latest one. Uh, let's see. Xbox. Usher from Dance Central 3. There we go. Happy Pride Month 2, Xbox. That's what I call October. Nice. I'm also a host, a co-host on... Pod of Greed, a Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast. We just wrapped up Season 0. We've started up Season 1. If there's, like, an episode of Season 1 of Yu-Gi-Oh! or Duelist Kingdom you want to be on, just, you can contact me at my Tumblr. You can also, like, send an ask to our collective Tumblr, podofgreed.tumblr.com. You can also just send questions there in general. Oh, also, we can't take any people for Dungeon Dice Monsters. We've gotten four different requests for that. I want to give some shout-outs. Let's see. I want to give a shout-out to Six Feet Under. It's an actual play podcast. It's 
incredible. It's absolutely incredible. I love it so much. It's There's two current arcs, Mouse Guard and Fellowship to Winter's End. Uh, Mouse Guard's like, it's set in the Mouse Guard setting. It's made with the Mouse Guard RPG set in the comics of the same name. Uh, they, they're Is that the Mouse Guard? Are they coming for us? No, I refuse. You can't take me alive. That one's really good. They're also Fellowship to Winter's End, which is probably, like, the most straight-up LGBT thing actual play out there. Like, all the hosts are LGBT. There's, like, the very, like, characters and, like, their concepts and, like, the overall story themes all deal with, like, being LGBT in a hostile world. It's really incredible. I highly recommend it. I also want to give a mention to the two other podcasts done by the main host, Grant, uh, Sex Archie, where he and his wife Elena, Grant is also known as General Ironicus, for those of you who are into former Something Awful Let's Plays or the LP Zone or whatnot, he does Sex Archie with his wife Elena, that's a podcast where they go through Riverdale and also like cover stuff like the history of Archie and like other older Archie stuff. It's really good, like, they're really funny and informative. There's History Onies, another podcast Grant does with his wife Elena, where they just go through a lot of, like, historical stuff. Some of the notable things they, like, cover are, like, Chicago history and, like, the history of, like, various Disney parks. They've got a lot of, like, really good stuff there. I want to give a shout-out to the Noise Space Network. Noise Space is... Well, they refer to some, themselves as a podcast incubator. They have Henry Kissinger as Pokemon going to die, not a threat, just a fact. A leftist politics podcast. They have The Island Shuffle, which is a podcast where they go through Lost in a completely random order uh, for additional confusion. Uh, Giants Confirmed with Trevor and Matt. That's a They Might Be Giants podcast. City Girls Make Do... That's a Sex in the City podcast. And I want to mention my pod Cabbages that's on the network. They go through Avatar The Last Airbender, The Stick, a Homestar Runner podcast by Eden and David, uh, Elite Full Restore, that's a Pokemon podcast. Anyways, that's the important ones I want to cover for Noise Space. There's one other thing I want to mention, which is Flash in the Pan. That's not really connected to the, any of this, but I feel it's, I feel it's relevant for this. Flash in the Pan is, like, a podcast where they go through, like, old Flash cartoons from, like, the 2000s, and it's really interesting and fun. They, like, cover, like, what's happened to the artist so far. They're also looking for emails for what was your first Flash cartoon. You can email about the first Flash you ever watched at flashinthepancast at gmail.com. That's it for shoutouts. Thanks. I appreciate it. All right, uh, and I would like to shout out real quick, do some podcasts myself. want to shout out my friends Sean and Mark. They do a Lupin the Third rewatch podcast, Lupin Lottery, and a Metabots rewatch podcast called Metacritic. That's M-E-D-A, Critic. want to shout out my friend Sarah. She does the podcasts Fear Baiting, which is a horror movie podcast, The Wonder Yerks, which is an Animorphs reread rewatch podcast, and she's occasionally one of the hosts on Henry Kissinger is Pokemon Going to Die, which you already mentioned. 
And lastly, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the Audio Entropy Network of Podcasts. They host such shows as Totally Reprise, which is wrapping up fairly soon, a rewatch and retrospective on the Totally Spies early 2000s cartoon. That was uh, an order of words I just said there. MCU Complete Me, where a couple hosts go through and talk about, review every movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and Let's Place, where they use the most scientific methods available to objectively rank every video game ever made. Undertale is now the second best video game ever made. It's been dethroned. By Phantom Hourglass. No, 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 no. It was Spirit Tracks. Phantom Hourglass is not the best game of all time, because it doesn't have trains. I want to mention, like, Book of Medora, which I love listening to. It's a Zelda Lord podcast, uh, one of the hosts from, from Let's Place is on there. Also, I just want to mention this about Let's Place. I've been going through it. The first 20 or so episodes were recorded in the span of two weeks. It's insane, and I love it. So I would say definitely check out all of those, in my opinion. Particularly the, the Audio Entropy Network. It has a bunch of different podcasts. you got options. I'm sure you'll find something you like there. And with that, I think it's about time to wrap up this episode... Uh, Dan, you want to take us out? All right. This is Dan Silva, a.k.a. Mike Dawson, and stay frosty, folks. Hey. Yeah? Happy clean your digital desktop day, Xbox. <laughs> Happy clean your digital desktop day, Xbox. <laughs> Be smart about it. Celebrations with the guys I sacrifice. Cause I knew you could not sleep without it. Meanwhile, Faces saying why.